Welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Villa bounced back from an opening day horror show to demolish Everton 4-0. George is in such shock at such a great result that he's taken a leave of absence this week. And so I'm joined today by season ticket holder Richard Stevens. Rich, how are you doing? Hi, Fran. Thanks very much. Great to be on. Um, you've given me the big billing there as season ticket holder. A season ticket holder who didn't make it to the first game of the season. So look at me. What a great super fan I am. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing very well. It was excellent. I was uh, travelling back for my holidays yesterday, but I was delighted. Partway through changing flights to, to see the uh, live ticker of, as Villa stretched the lead to four. So that, was, that really cheered me up despite a fairly boring day of travelling. So all good. <laughs> Yeah, well, so, I mean, I was at the game myself, but first I'll ask you this, you know, Aston Villa, first day of the season, we got absolutely battered at St. James's Park 5-1. I I still think it was a bit of a freakish result, despite what, you know, how bad it looked. But at the same time, um, you know, to bounce back the next week, 4-0 at home, so convincingly against Everton. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think it, I was thinking about this um, the week building up to the Everton game and, it's a little bit too easy, I think, to say, oh, it was a freak result. You know, these things happen. We're still really good. Yeah, they do happen, but they don't really happen to really good teams. Mm. Yeah, it's not like every season Man City are losing 5-1. Before I, anyone jumps on me, I'm not comparing us to Man City. But the point is that Newcastle are you know, supposed to be one of the teams that we're um, in and around, to use that expression. And we mm. did get absolutely hammered. Having said that, it was a strange game. It was very Villa in the sense that the momentum just got completely out of hand and we were unlucky with Mings. And I think that sort of really shook everyone that mm. it was another knee injury and, and Tyrone Mings was clearly in a lot of pain. And But I think sometimes we forget that they're not necessarily all mates, but they're colleagues at least yeah. and they see each other every day. And imagine if one of us was in, in the office or at work and someone was writhing around in agony you wouldn't be able to just get over that. And I'm just, I'm just joining the next Zoom call, you know, see you later. It's just not how life is. Mm. You would be thrown by it. And and that's, I think there was an element of that too. Um, so yeah, long ends, uh, you know, in summary, what I'm trying to say is a little bit too easy, I think, to just dismiss it completely as an anomalous result. But there was an element of it being just a very strange day, but it was massively important that we, we that we came back in. I mean, I like Everton as a team and as a mm. club, and I think they are, do. They stand for lots of good things about football. They're not just, you know, some sort of money team. Uh, they have lots of problems, and this isn't for me to, to talk about Everton, but they're perfect for us to play against. Yeah, our record against them is excellent. Um, we, we, especially in, in since we've come back to the to the top division, we've I think we've played them is it six times. We've won five and drawn one or something like that. Something mm. that just meant that we really needed to have a team like them coming to play against us and. Luckily to be, you know, comfortably ahead very quickly, it did make a big difference. So fingers crossed. I mean, this could all unravel at Hibs on Thursday evening, but I don't, I don't think it will. I think had we only say drawn with Everton or lost to Everton, Thursday night could be really awkward. It still could be, but I think it was just, it was just a really solid performance from what I've seen, what I've mm. read, what you know, what people have talked about. But hopefully, it gets us back on track. Yeah, it was. Um... It was it was a brilliant performance um, from Villa. I, I do think there's the caveat that Everton were absolutely abysmal. Uh, I, I'm not kidding when I say I think that that's one of the worst displays I've seen in a long time from another team. But by the same token, I do think Everton turning up and being very physical, 
defensive. That's the kind of team that the old Villa would have had problems against and we would have lost 1-0 really frustratingly and not got the job done. Whereas this Villa, it just feels like we're so comfortable on the ball, we're so well coached that a team comes and tries to do that to Villa and tries to play the long ball or whatever at Villa Park and it doesn't really pay off anymore. It's like we will just outplay you and we will just find a way to score. Um, and, you know, I think there was a few different things that really stuck out to me. Like one, John McGinn, bloody hell, mate, 10 out of 10. I mean, it, he looked like a player who could be a talismanic leader at an absolute top of the range, you know, Premier League winning team. Like that's That was the level he was playing at yesterday. And to be honest, it's reflective of kind of how he's played um, under Unai Emery in lot, for lot, long spells, I think. I think mm. his, his improvement as well as Tyrone Mings's is just off the scale. And um, against Everton, it was like every pass he made was the right pass. Every time he got the ball and moved away from their defender, you know, using his body in the perfect way, in conducting where other players should be going. And I think what happened a lot of the time was that Everton would press us because they thought, you know, Villa likes to play it around at the back. And on a couple of occasions, they actually did it quite well. But then what it was doing was it was leaving space between the defence and the midfield for Diaby and McGinn. And also, I think uh, Douglas Luiz and Carlos were getting more space than than Everton would have wanted as well. And so the ball was coming into McGinn a lot and Diaby, and the two of them were just such a handful, particularly McGinn. Diaby looks like a real class player. He really does. Mm. Um, But I think he also learned maybe a bit about the Premier League. Every time he got the ball, he was getting kicked. You know, it yeah. really was like that. And um, but his link up with Bailey was very, very good. Um, now Bailey again, first fifteen minutes very frustrating, but he got that assist. Then he got a goal, mm. and you're like, well, this is Bailey. Like you know, every now and again he does this. Um, as yeah. frustrating as he is as a player. Um, but you know, I mean, what do you say about Bailey? You know, considering that you know he's had such an impact on the game. Like, do, do you think we can ever find the consistency in him? Uh, I think. I don't think we can. I think we have to stop searching for that because mm. if he was consistent, he would be able to play at you know, an extremely high level club. But the fact that he is inconsistent means that he's ended up at a sort of level. I, I'm not trying to denigrate Villa or be negative, but you know what he's capable of and the speed at which he moves and you know the, the threat he has when he cuts inside or when he goes to the byline like he did yesterday. You know, these are great assets that people pay an absolute fortune for but i suppose we i, I do find it frustrating and I, it's not personal at all it's just because i think it's more that we all know the potential he does have but yeah. when he's not doing that you think oh come on leon you know that was just ridiculous what what, what are you doing mm-hmm. but then he'll go and do something brilliant or he'll, he'll do something really clinical like the goal he scored against man city or where he just he just does things that looks really natural and, and clean mm-hmm. so i think in answer to your question I don't think he's ever going to be super consistent. I think we have to accept that mm-hmm. um, if we want to, you know, you're just going to lose lose your mind if you're expecting him to, to be doing exactly the same thing every week. And I suppose you could say a bit of a cliche thing, but also makes him dangerous is that mm-hmm. you, no one quite knows what he's going to be like that that time. But I think what you said about Diaby is right. He, dare I say it, he, he looks a bit more like a more consistent Bailey in, yes. in some ways. That, yeah. He, he he's he's got many of the elements to his game that, that Bailey has in terms of he looks unbelievably rapid and athletic and he, he he's able to finish what seems perhaps different to Bailey he seems I wasn't expecting this at all but his right foot has been there like the, the, the way he took the goal against Newcastle and that volley yesterday but you know those were 
great efforts he seems very both-sided if you, if you know what i mean rather than constantly looking to go in one direction so let's see um but first impressions of diaby is has been brilliant this is normally now the cue for him to get a season-ending injury and we, <laughs> we'll never know yeah. we'll never know what what could have been yeah it's luke nillis or you, know, you yeah, just fear yeah. when players come in have this really positive initial impact i, what, I really hope he you know fingers crossed of course he doesn't have anything like that um but really promising and i think what you said about mcginn as well i mean I don't know. I, I've always thought, oh, maybe this is, and we talked about this privately. You know, you always think with John again, is this the time maybe he's reached his ceiling? You know, that's it. What an unbelievable effort. He's come in and he's transformed himself. And then he goes away, gets back into the team and he's better again. Mm. So I have nothing but admiration for, for him. That He's so, you could not imagine, I think, that what, how he lost completely his confidence with Gerard, and then he was struggling to get in the team with Emery and space of six months he's the main man and you just I've just got you know absolutely loads of time for him he's he's finding himself playing further forward um, which I think is interesting and it's difficult for teams to deal with because of his let's say unusual physical characteristics he's just really hard to get off the ball and and that makes such a big difference when he's when he's able to to, to hold up the ball towards the top of the pitch and then start finding players and everyone knows how fit he is and how far he can run. And that combination of a bit of confidence, clearly being coached brilliantly by Emery, having a slightly new position, but doing some of the stuff he always used to do really well. Mm. It's sort of a perfect cocktail at the moment. Mm. I, I've always thought he's he's a, he's a Manchester United player. I mean, as in like the traditional sense of Alex Ferguson. I'm convinced mm. if Ferguson was sort of in his prime now as a manager, McGinn is the exact kind of like, you know, hard-working but real quality player that he would like. He just reminds me of an old-school United player, I think. And, yeah, yeah at, at times he's sort of fallen out of form, but a lot of the time it's because he's been playing out of position. I mean, has to do things that not aren't really bringing out the best in him. But now he's got a coach who really realises where he has to be on the pitch. And yeah. lo and behold, his form's just gone through the roof, really. And as I say, against Everton, he was just an absolute 10 out of 10 player. And the the combinations between him and Diaby were, were nice. And I think Diaby looks like a player who's a difference maker. I think that other teams mm. are going to really fear and want to take out the game. His speed of thought is really quick. He's really, really rapid at like how he can think on his feet and can, you know, see the game around him. Like really just intelligent, just a high quality, intelligent sort of Champions League level player, I think. Um and as you say, more consistent than Bailey. And that's what everyone I interviewed about him said the same thing as well. Mm. Um, but also another player stood out. Um, you know, Luca Dean did very well on the left. Uh, but uh, Paul Torres, uh, you know, coming in, um, stepping in where Tyrone Mings is, it's, it's so gutting to lose Tyrone Mings because he's such a talismanic yeah. player again for us. Um, but, you know, how do you feel about Paul Torres, um, you know, uh, from what you've seen of him so far? I think he looks very composed um, and he looks to be a good signing in the sense that he's certainly not overawed by coming to play in the Premier League. He's come with a big billing and he's not sort of folding. The only thing that does worry me a little bit is he seems to be, and I'm hardly, you know, the most athletic person in the world, but he doesn't seem particularly quick and he does seem to be a little bit slow on the turn sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think in the Premier League, of all the things that can be exposed it's that if you're not careful pretty much every team is lightning and if you if teams do start to work out that they can get in behind you then your life can become can become a bit of a pain i'm sure 
you can't add pace. That's not the point. But I'm sure he'll work out his position or what he needs to do positionally, how he can be blocking these runs at source and all this sort of stuff that, that mm. the defensive coaches have worked with him on. But that's the only thing that 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 maybe I thought, wow, okay, you know, this is something he needs to look at. But but let's face it, that many defenders, you know, as a, almost just as sort of add on to what I was saying, that many defenders struggle with the pace of play. You know, you, it's just relentless sometimes. But but let's see. I mean, what do you think of him? Uh, yeah, we've obviously watched him in person yesterday. So you, you got a different sense of him. What did you think? Yeah, when I saw him in preseason, the thing I really noticed about him is that he looked like a CDM. And this is kind of what I thought of him when I saw him at Villarreal. A, a CDM in the sense of like a player who could play in midfield yeah. just because of his is sort of he's not the as you say not the quickest, but his ability to just retain the ball and pick a pass is, you know, it's it's almost kind of classic. Spain player isn't it really you know just great on the ball and the sort of player that Spain tends to produce and I think that uh, but what I noticed about him yesterday was uh, you know he had a nice partnership with um, Concert it was good for them to sort of start off uh, with a clean sheet like that because particularly with Mings out you know there's a lot of question marks over whether Villa can ever perform up to standard without Mings but um, I think Torres what I really noticed he did was on the ball he was so you know composed again but He's, the way he can pick out a pass, and he has this very specific type of pass, which is kind of like a whipped, curved, left-footed ball, which goes straight into the feet. He sort of bypasses the midfield and goes straight into the feet of a McGinn, mm-hmm. Watkins, or Diaby. And I think that there was a couple of occasions yesterday where that ball almost came off, you know, and then a couple of occasions it went straight into the feet. But I think that as those players get to know each other better, that'll be a real strong asset and a really you know, getting the ball from back to front very rapidly. I think Pau Torres will be a big part of that because, you know, you have to assume he's going to play a lot now this season, now that Mings is out. Mm. And um, so I think it was a really, really, it was impressive display kind of um, on the ball and what he can offer as, as an attacking team. I think I'm interested to see what happens when we play a team that can attack better than Everton. Um, mm. You know, Dan Juma came on for Calvert-Lewin and, quicker in behind and there were one or two occasions in the first half you know I saw him get in behind and I thought okay that'll be interesting to see when better teams try and do that against us but for now you know you you can't really argue with just how how well um all of them performed really yesterday it was it was it was a great way to come back from what was a pretty um you know borderline you know close to traumatic loss at Newcastle um you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, talk about on that. I mean, just talk about taking the wind out of your sails. It was like I'd been so looking forward. Oh, we should have <laughs> talked about this earlier, but who, who we're now I'm so yeah. looking forward to the season. Normally, at the end of the football season, it's been such a sort of traumatic end. You know, May, April, or in the COVID years, June and July, that you think, oh, thank goodness, we don't have to suffer through this anymore. <laughs> but this year, I this year I was genuinely excited, and then. Uh, it was even stupidly um, thought we might win at Newcastle mm. in a sort of way that we show everyone how we're even better than uh, than than the pundits were giving us credit for, and then we just got got hammered anyway. Sorry, mm. mate. No, <laughs> I think that was me. Just that's like a cathartic experience just to get that out. My poor wife it doesn't care when I come out with this sort of rambling stuff, so <laughs> I have to speak to someone. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I it's. It is true, isn't it? As Villa fans, I think we've just been so conditioned to fear the worst in, for so long. But yeah. now when things are good, you're like, surely, you know, surely it, it can't, we can't have the bad again now, please. Um, so yeah. yeah. So, but but also, you know, um, Yonderan got his first goal, which is great yeah. to see. Um, yeah. 
you know, were, were you there when Juan Pablo Angel, another Colombian striker, got his first goal for Aston Villa against Coventry? I was. I was. I do remember that. Um, I, th- I mean, they're totally different, aren't they, in terms of players? Mm. Uh, but John Duran seems to me an absolute wild card signing. He yeah. could be going back to the MLS next year, or he could just be this monster that we found, <laughs> um, or anywhere in between. I yeah. think I get the impression. He's very raw, and yeah. I think what did they say yesterday? That he's played him like 120 minutes in total. No, really shocked when I heard that. Yeah, um, so that was you know, he's obviously not had much of a chance mm. physically. A, a monster, I mean, mm. just strong, uh, rapid, everything you'd want. Particularly, probably in a strike in the system where we play, you know, where the, he's going to be doing a lot of what Ollie Watkins is really good at that holding up play, getting the ball, being strong, keeping mm. defenders away from him, just being that avenue sometimes. So he he, he looks like he could do all that stuff. Mm. Hopefully with a, with a goal, it gives him a bit of confidence. When I watched the highlights, I thought, oh my God, he's that miscontrolled it. That's <laughs> yeah. the way he... But yeah. I think that only, maybe that sums up John Duran. It, it's yeah. like you saw in that, in that one and a half seconds or whatever it is, both sides of him, a sort of mm. miscontrol of a basic ball, but then a really mm. composed finish. And he put it in as if he meant to do that, to bring Pickford to that side of the box so he could put it across. And who knows? But he yeah. didn't mean to do that. But I think it's great. I mean, it's one of those things where yesterday was where everything went exactly as we wanted. You know, a guy comes in, comes on 45 seconds into the game, into his game, he scored his first goal at Villa Park in a 4-0 win. And, He's got to enjoy those hmm. those ones and, and see what happens. I mean, you, again, you, you saw him in Percy yesterday and you've seen him a bit uh, in other games. What what do you think of him? Yeah, I think that from what I've seen of him so far, exactly as you say, he's a very raw talent, isn't he? And he's, you know, I, I interviewed um, somebody uh, earlier this year who who was a, who's a scout in Colombia and you know, yeah. watched him a lot coming through. And he said him and Juan Pablo Angel's son, were the two top talents to come out of Colombia for their their age bracket, really. And he said he thought Yonder yeah. was ahead. Now, um, from what I've seen of him so far in the Premier League, I think there's actually been glimpses of like, oh, wow, okay, there's something there. Yeah. Wow. When and then other... he hit the bar, wasn't it? That was unbelievable. Against City. Yeah, that was, wow, what the hell was that? Yeah. Like yeah. If, that, if that had gone in, I think we'd all remember that yeah. goal forever, wouldn't we? It was just an yeah. outrageous effort <laughs> yeah. uh, out of nothing. But it, just kind of a few times where it's like, Okay, he's capable of that, but is it the simple things where you think, does he need a loan to learn the simple things? Um, yeah. But, you know, um, I think, you know, it looks like Cameron Archer might be heading off, uh, which is a bit of a sad, a bit of a shame, I think. But, um, you know, we're going to need a striker as backup, really. And Yonder ran, you know, to get that goal and therefore to sort of get the belief in himself that, like, do you know what, I actually do belong here because I can score goals in the Premier League. I've shown it to mm. myself. Um, and like what I did notice as well was, you know, he looked very confident when the ball came into him. And Everton, you know, they're probably physically the toughest defense you might even play mm. against to get if, you, if you're playing a, a ball, you know, a long ball. And you know, Watkins had a yeah, bit James Tarkovsky is no joke, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't fancy that very much. No, Tarkovsky, Michael Keane, you know, yeah, all of them. And yeah. and, and John Durant stood up to it and uh, he really did. Yeah. And he, he, he held them off. And there were a couple of occasions he made a couple of really nice, clever passes, like. Uh, I think he looks like, I think as you say, it's like it, now he's got his goal. You sort of think, right, okay, what, what happens now? That, I think that's the mm. that's the thing that's quite exciting. Um, I, and I think he'll get a few more goals this season. Uh, I think he, I think he, 
you know, it, it's fun to think we've got a young player who could be something really, really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let, let's wait and find out, I guess. Um, you know, the temptation is to hype him up and I will hype him yeah. up. That's what I'm going to do here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, so yeah, so, uh, so just a great way to fire back. And also one thing I have to mention I noticed, um, it was the warm-up. And I think I messaged you about this. Um, yeah, yeah. The pre-game warm-up, I think, summed up how the game went. Um, so basically, Villa had their first at the ten. The, the ten players who were outfield were all in kind of a five v five small sided possession game, and it was like if one team lost the ball, then they became the defensive unit. And firstly, when you watch those Premier League players doing it, you're like, how does anyone tackle a Premier League player? How is it yeah. actually possible? Because yeah. they just cannot lose the ball. Um, but you know, so. It was quite competitive and you could see them all barging into each other, you know, going in hard for challenges. And it sort of looked like I was like, right, they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty set when they get into this game, ready to go straight away. And then but I watched Everton, and Everton, all Everton, all Everton did with their defenders was they had all four of them lined up and they had a coach on the halfway line booting it long. And it was just James Tartovsky heading it away over and over and over again. And the players just passing it back and forth and I thought it looks so kind of rudimentary and unimaginative and that's you know I'm not saying that that's what Sean Dutch is I think Sean Dutch is a really uh, talented manager but I'm just saying that w- watching it it kind of felt to me like it reflected how the game went itself I thought Everton looked incredibly unimaginative and incapable of reacting to what was happening in the game like corners constantly you get Luca Dean and Douglas Louise standing next to each other and the, the idea was obviously they were like well we're not going to cross it in the area because Everton will just head it away every time but what they would do is short corner and John McGinn was always stood on the edge of the area and it always went to him and Everton never reacted it was like they, they couldn't it was like they weren't able to you know re- react within the game they had to sort of be told what to do rather than to just instinctively be like someone has to go out there and stop this guy so I, I just thought that was an interesting observation and I I think, you know, if Everton are going to continue to play like that, you know, they've lost already one nil at home to Fulham. Yeah, God, they're in trouble this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing I can think of is is maybe that um, Sean Dyche is embracing sort of under-13 boys league football mentality. <laughs> if, you look, if you look really scary in the warm-up, you're already sort of tuning up before kickoff. <laughs> I can certainly say it used to work on me. Yeah. You know, the sight of... The, the sight of towering centre-backs in men's bodies aged 14 <laughs> yeah. was certainly enough to put me off. It's good to know that, you know, for the, the professional players in the Villa, that's nowhere near enough. <laughs> um, I, interesting, I, did Everton spend most of the warm-up practising their penalties? That would be the other classic uh, boys' <laughs> yeah. football. All of them going top corner. Like, guys, no one's, no one's going to take a penalty in this game, but we, we've all practised them, which is great. <laughs> All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for this. Rich and I have known each other for many, many years, but we could be sitting at opposite ends of Villa Park if things get out of hand here on the spicy question. And today, Rich, I'm asking you, how do you feel about Villa potentially selling youth prospects? Like Jaden Philogene Badace and Cameron Archer. Oh, that is a zinger. Um, I would say instinctively a bit disappointed um, and feeling that they perhaps really haven't been given a fair chance to show that they can do it. 
Mm. Having said that, and as we constantly say somewhat predictably when we talk, you also have to trust that the, the, the team who have looked at these players know what they're doing, as in, you know, Emery, his, his team of coaches, trainers, and of course, you know, the director of football, etc. This won't just be a knee-jerk reaction saying, all right, you know, we could make 12 million or whatever it will be for Cameron Archer and the same for the day. So I think it's one of those where I just have to sort of bite my lip a little bit and say, all right, then, if we think this is going to be beneficial in the long run, go for it. But it doesn't like warm my heart to see players who've come through the academy system be sold despite you know having shown some potential without really it feels like being given a chance to demonstrate it i suppose you could you could counter that by saying well they have had you know, particularly cameron archer has been on the pitch he is yet to score in the premier league and, and you know it's not a charity where we're giving local players the opportunity to until they do score but that also seems a bit harsh like he barely seems to be given very much of a go mm. uh he did very well in in the champ well, very well maybe overstating he had spells where he looked really good in the championship then maybe a little bit quieter but it did feel that he, he earned a little bit of a, a go but i suppose you never know what's going on behind the scenes well with both of them they both might be saying look the villa may have said to them we want you to stay but you'll be squad players and you, you might barely get a go um, and they've said, no, we want to go and, and, and get some football somewhere else. So you don't really know. Um, but just, just to sort of to, to summarise what I just said in that ramble would be instinctively disappointed. But based on what we've seen over the last nine months, willing to bite my lip and say, OK, let's hope this is the right call. Mm, yeah, I think that's a very fair way of putting it. And I think um, I, I sort of instinctively think Jade and Philogene I thought he should stick around till January. I think, you know, he's been linked now with Hall for £5 million. Uh, And by all accounts, Emery actually does want him to stay around, even though, you know, he likely won't play loads. But I still think he'd play a fair bit. Uh, I still think he'd get opportunities if he stuck around and enough time to show what he can do. Uh, You know, and I I just think stick around till January. And if 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 you're not getting the time by then, then, you know, then you can fair enough, you know, head off. But yeah, um, you know, I, I think you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'll always wish every Villa youth player well. Really, anyone who comes from yeah. the academy, you want them to do well. And Archer's another one. I think you know, I do instinctively feel he scored goals in the Premier League. Um, mm. It's hard to predict how many goals he'd score or what player he could become. Um, but I do just think he would score. He, he scores too regularly, really, in the, in the Championship and for. England under 21s to, yeah. to say that he wouldn't do it in the Premier League. And that's not to say go 20 goals a season, but you know, who, yeah. who knows? Maybe he could push towards 10, 11. Um, he's, you know, he's, he just seems a very natural goal scorer. But, you know, Aaron Ramsey, another one who looks like he's on his way to Burnley. But, yeah. you know, uh, at the same time, elite clubs like Man City, you know, they do tend to sell a lot of their youth players, you know, for £15 million, that sort of fee, buyback clauses. Um, they don't always enact it, but at least it's there as an option. Um, so, you know, it it makes sense, in, I guess, you know, with FFP as well, pure yeah. profit. That that's one of the that's one of the crucial things, isn't it? Because Villa have not been selling players well for for a few years. Um, yeah, you know, Grealish and Chukwameka, maybe, and that's a, that's about it. Yeah, um, I mean, I still wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of other players. Pretend, I know we've got very little time, but there were, you know, 
Dina being rumoured to leave, I think that that could be something that happens. But but let's see. Um, mm. But I'm with you. I think, and I'm, that's when I guess that's the sort of slightly unsavoury side to football is that it, you know if you are an academy player, it's sort of, it's almost flipped it on its head. In the old days, they'd probably be the ones who were given a bit more leeway, a bit you know one more chance to see if they can mm. make it. Whereas these days it really pays to be selling academy players, as you said, because you're not trying to net off any transfer fee or anything like that. It's just, there's a, you know, you're almost incentivized to be selling academy players. That's not, this isn't meant to be a rant about the FFP system, but it does seem a little bit counterintuitive that it's, you know, you get more benefit from selling young players than you do from, you know, players who are running down their contract. Mm, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, like there's not many, not long left in the transfer window, but, you know, it looks like there's still going to be some movement at least. Uh, where where do you think Villa still needs to improve in the squad or or find more depth, do you think? The only area I think I would say, and, and this is when the, the arch thing is a bit odd, is you'd say up front. I mm. mean, you think um, Ollie's yet to score the season with two games in. I mean, come on. He looked quite sharp in pre-season. But you can't help but think if, if Ollie is injured, what, what, what happens? Uh, we've already talked about John Duran potentially being one thing but he could either be equally be something completely else so we'd then be pretty thin up front um so that's the only area i would say i, I think our midfield now if you look at the depth we have there no issues i think if you look at you know at the back even i think this sums up where we've how far we've gone at how far we've come rather is even though we lose Tyrone Mings in the first half of the whatever it was the first game of the season it's not like uh you know we're now shot to pieces at the back and we've had to make some make some changes but we've still got a pretty decent looking on paper uh defensive line so i don't see any need there um it would be up front i think we talked about this before i'm naturally conservative when it comes to transfer market spending i think it's just years of having been burned yeah. um, by it which makes me always think let's stick with what we've got but if there were someone to come in and we'd make a signing up front but who do we sign like it's the easiest thing to just casually throw out we need mm. some reinforcements up front who are we going to sign that, that ticks that box, that is a proven Premier League goal scorer who's willing to come to the Villa and be a backup to Ollie Watkins? It's just not going to happen. So I think it's it's the sort of perennial problem for the, the teams at our level. It's only a very small number of teams. Your, your Man Cities, you know, you can have Haaland and Alvarez <laughs> as their, like, you know, you get my point. We don't have the luxury to be able to... to to do that sort of thing so mm. let's see and what about you mate what do you think yeah I think it's generally been a really good transfer window uh you know I think Pau Torres is a you know he's a Spanish international Europa League yeah. winner knows Emery very well from the time at Villarreal uh Moussa Diaby looks like a real class act really quality player or already you could you can just kind of sometimes you just you just see it don't you um very quickly and uh yeah, that's like a with a bit of a coup there for Villa, I would say, with him, and hopefully his sort of good looking form so far continues. Um, you know, otherwise, uh, kind of forget who else we've signed this summer. Telemans, uh, <laughs> Telemans again, yeah, great depth um, for Douglas Louise. Uh, yesterday, you know, Douglas, you know, we've got Europe. This you know, quite a few games coming up in the next yeah. few weeks. And Douglas yeah. Louise coming off in the 60th minute for Telemans, perfect. I mean, that's that's exactly yeah. what you want, isn't it? Um, so that's yeah. three. Really, really good signings, I think. And, um, you know, there's all these links to sort of Marcus Acuna. But, you know, when you think about it, we've got, a, you know, uh, Jacob Ramsey to come back, Alex Moreno to come yeah. back. So they'll be back yeah. in the near future. And suddenly the squad looks a lot stronger. But like with you, yeah. I think Ollie Watkins stayed down for like a, 
you know, 30, 40 seconds yesterday after a collision, I think, with Pickford. And I yeah. had my heart in my mouth. And, you know, there were gasps around me because everybody, I think, was thinking, oh, God. Because I think, as you say, if there's one player mm. we're we're really struggling without, I think it's Ollie Watkins. Um, that just looks like the one p- position that we really can't replace at the moment. And I'd, I'd say Emmy Martinez as well in goal. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I think I, you know, it's very difficult to be a backup for the, what could arguably be the best goalkeeper in the world. But um, yeah. Robin Olsen, you know, um, just doesn't give me the, the faith really that he can really play the sort of uh, Emery style, you know, playing it around at yeah. the back, that sort of thing. So there, I think goalkeeping up front, I'd love to see another right back, but I doubt, I, I doubt that's going to happen, but, you know, you never know. You never know what's going to happen the next two days. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, they're they're the main position. I think that uh, we need to we we could ideally strengthen. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire. Catch you later, Rich. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much. Really appreciate it as always. And and hopefully the next time we speak, I'll have actually been to the game. Uh, and it'll make a bit of a difference but no I'm, I'm glad you were there yesterday and I was very jealous uh, when I saw what it was what it was like in the ground so speak soon mate and thanks very much as always no worries thanks thanks again for coming on and goodbye from me we'll be back again soon but until then come on Super Aston Villa <laughs> <laughs>